0: All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. The message that I'm preaching this morning came as a result of reading about two months ago. I read a paper that was written by uh, Jonathan Edwards. And uh, Jonathan Edwards was one of the preachers of, of the Great Awakening. And uh, it was one of the most convicting things I have ever read. And it's, you know, one of those things where you look at it, you read it, you say, boy, this would, this would be good to preach. But God works on you and works on you and works on you. And uh, I uh, I've, I've asked the Lord now for about three or four weeks, can I preach it? I gotta know. Can I preach it? Gotta know. Can I preach it? Gotta know. This week I got a, a yes, so you're gonna hear the you're gonna hear the message that God's been really working on me, uh, on you know for the last <clears throat> for the last few weeks. Now let's all stand together and and Second uh, Timothy chapter three. You read along silently as I read aloud verses one and two. It says, "This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come." For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon this time together. Uh, during this message, Lord, you, I, I, I plead with you, I implore you to speak to our hearts, to deal with our hearts Uh, Lord, I I come to this message more so than anyone that I've preached in a long time with a lot of fear and a lot of trembling. Lord, it's uh, something that you've been working on me on and you're still working on me on. And by no means have I arrived. But Lord, I think it's something that not only I needed, I believe our whole church needs what I'm about to preach on tonight, this morning. And God, I just pray that uh, you would be here in fullness and in power. Lord, it doesn't depend upon me and my words. It depends upon you and your power. And so, Father, please speak to our hearts this morning. Take the Word of God and the Spirit of God together and do a work that only you can do. We'll be careful to thank you and praise you for what you do in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Says in this passage that in the last days uh, people will be lovers of their own selves and then it goes on to say boasters and proud now I I think it goes without without saying we are in the last days We are in the last days and so it's a time of the Bible says it's gonna be a time of boasting It's going to be a time of pride And you know we look at that and say yeah, that's right. That's what's going on out in the world Can I tell you something? It's also going on in our churches. It's going on in our hearts and oftentimes, it's going on in such a way that we don't even see it. The Apostle Paul had to deal with pride with the churches that he dealt with, particularly the church at Corinth. Now take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter four. Back up just a little bit, 1 Corinthians chapter four. And look down in verses six and seven. It says, And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For whom maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why didst thou glory, as if thou hast not received it? In other words, everything we have has been given to us from God. But these folks were puffed up, and because they were puffed up, they, they went one against another, and pride will do that. Pride will cause friction among believers. It will cause contentions. It will cause strife. Look at that same chapter, down in verses 18 through 20. He says, now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Now, what he's saying here is that being puffed up is linked to high and heavy words but no power. When we get prideful, what we say may be true, but there is absolutely no power behind it. Go to to 1 Corinthians chapter five, just next chapter over. Chapter five, look down in verse two. He says, and ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Now, what it was is there was sin in the camp. And these people had, because they were puffed up, they did not have sorrow over the sin that was there. And pride does that. Pride Pride drains our sorrow over sin. and and it it uh, it not only drains our sorrow over the sins of others, it also drains our sorrow over our own sin. Go to chapter 13, and you ought to be familiar with this, because we just memorized these, or actually recited, many of you memorized these verses last month. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, look down in verse, verse 4. It's talking about charity. It says, charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Uh, when 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 pride comes into our life charity flees pride and charity cannot coexist at the same time in our lives go with me now to colossians chapter 2 colossians 2 and in colossians chapter 2 look down at verse 18 it says let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Pride is a product of a fleshly mind. Fleshly simply means carnal. It means worldly. It means lascivious, uh, which is which is lewd or immoral. Uh, you can't feed on the garbage of this world and not have it affect you. And one of the ways that it'll affect you is it'll give you a carnal mind. And you'll end up being susceptible to pride. It produces a proudful spirit. And, uh, and, and, and uh, we, need, we need to be very, very careful of developing worldly carnal attitudes because carnal attitudes lead to pride. Now, those that desire to live for God are particularly susceptible to a special kind of pride. And the title of my message this morning is just simply Spiritual Pride. And you say, wait a minute, those two words contradict each other. They certainly do. But what what it is, is people who believe that they are spiritual, but puffed up with pride. As As I was studying this subject for the last few weeks, man, over and over and over again, God showed me some things that were in my own life that I thought was spirituality, but in reality was really pride. Um, This spiritual pride is a predominant tool that Satan uses in the lives of believers who desire to serve God. Now, I believe one of the reasons why God had me preach it this morning, number one, most of us are here, many of us are here. Number two, I'm speaking to people who love the Lord. I'm speaking to people who desire to serve God. But if you love the Lord and desire to serve God, you are the targets for spiritual pride. Spiritual pride's an attitude that believes that spirituality makes us superior to some, and it often has a tendency, and this is one of the the signs of spiritual pride, is that it often refuses correction. Or when, when correction comes, it gets real prickly and gets real defensive. Uh, pro, let me just give you some verses. You don't have to look, it up, look them up. You won't have time to. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17 says, He that refuseth reproof erreth." Proverbs 12, 1. He that hateth reproof is brutish. Proverbs 13:1. A scorner heareth not rebuke. Proverbs 15.10, he that hateth reproof shall die. Proverbs 13.18, he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. Proverbs 15.5, he that regardeth reproof is prudent. Proverbs 15.32, he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Proverbs 27.5, open rebuke is better than secret love. Now, pride, when rebuked, defends, it, accuses, it, it, it excuses, and refuses to consider the, re, the re, 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 rebuke or reproof. Humility considers all reproofs and considers them very seriously. Spurgeon once said this. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, pride is self-deceit. Those who are sure that they have no pride are probably the proudest of all. Probably the proudest of all. Now, humble people are folks that easily receive instruction. They easily receive correction. They're they're careful when they evaluate themselves because they know how frail they can be. And, and, uh, And they know that they can easily go astray when I was writing those words out on my notes, I, I immediately thought of a song that we sing around here, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And, and part of the, one of, one of the, the verses says, prone to wander, Lord I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That was not a proud person who wrote those words. That was a humble person. Because he understood what his own frailty was. He understood what his own weakness was, and that was to wander. Spiritual pride is something that is very, very difficult for us to spot in ourselves. Um, Strong convictions and holy living make you susceptible to spiritual pride. Uh, Spiritual pride does not come to usually to carnal people. Spiritual pride comes to people that love the Lord, who have standards, who have convictions, who have a desire to serve God, um, think of this: are, are you as would you consider yourself as separated, as firm, and as perfect of heart as the apostle Paul? I, by no stretch of the imagination, would I think I, I would qualify for that. However, notice what Paul said about himself to so Christ: Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He didn't say of whom I was chief before he trusted Christ as Savior. But he said right now, currently, in the state I am, he said, I view myself as a chief of sinners. Let me ask you something. Is that how you view yourself? Honestly, uh, as as I was contemplating, meditating on those things, I realized how seldom I really see myself in that that light. Uh, Even even if we're criticized, rebuked wrongly, we ought to seriously consider the things that have been said about us to look for any, any source of truth that might be there. And again, whether it's done properly or whether it's done improperly is really immaterial to us that are receiving it. We ought to consider it. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. Look down in verse three. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Uh, pride is, is most difficult to see oh, in, our, in our own lives. Oh, we can spot it in other people and, in a heartbeat, but we often don't see it in our own lives. If, if we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, we'll never see our own pride. Instead, we'll just simply justify ourselves. Go to Romans chapter two, back up a bit. Romans chapter two, God has used this verse over and over again in my life over the years. Romans chapter two and verse one, therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. Spiritual pride diminishes our own sins in our own life and, and expands our sight when it comes to other sins. We see it quickly in others, but we're not so quick to see it in ourselves, yet we are guilty in ourselves, and that's why we see it so clearly in others. Uh, when, when I'm comfortable and pleased with how well I'm doing, I should really be extremely concerned because I'm heading towards spiritual pride and Jonathan Edwards is the one who wrote the paper that I that I read and I'd never heard of it before. He's the the fella he lived from um, uh, 1703 to 1758 he was one of the men that God used greatly in the great awakening in our country up in New England and um, he was the one who wrote the. Uh, or rather preached the message, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Uh, I've heard stories. I've read accounts of what happened when he preached that message. And when he preached that message, there were pillars in the church, and there were people that were grabbing a hold of the pillars and crying out as they grabbed those pillars and said, "Help me! Help me! I'm sliding into hell!" And that's how powerful that message was. And then I found out he didn't just preach it, he read it. He just stood there with a, with a paper in front of him and read the entire message. Obviously, it wasn't the delivery that convicted souls. What it was was the power of God that was evident in his life. And he's the one, and I, have, I admit, I have totally stolen his outline, okay? So if you wanna see this outline, all you have to do is type in Google search Jonathan Edwards spiritual pride, boop, it'll come right up. But he came up with seven with seven uh, symptoms of spiritual pride. And I want us to look at them together this morning. First of all, the first symptom of spiritual pride is fault finding in others, finding fault in others the sins and the shortcoming of others often cause us to to criticize, cause us to feel superior, to get offended, to get angry, to resent, or to mock others. And I'm not just talking about lost people, I'm talking about doing this to save people as well. We we should be grieved. We should be sorrowful when we see someone in sin. Uh, We should care for them. We should have a desire to help them. And that desire will, will, is obviously not there if all we're doing is talking to other people about somebody else's sin and problems and difficulty. The, the person that's humble sees so many problems in their own life that are wrong and that need attention that he's too busy to... to, to, to uh, to take care of other people's problems because he's trying to set his own house in order. Let me give you an example of this. In your ear in Romans, go to seven, chapter seven. Romans chapter seven. In Romans seven, look with me in verse 15. Romans seven, 15. This is the apostle Paul speaking. He says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Does it sound like he was conflicted? Sure does, and he's saying, listen, there's there's a constant struggle that I have. Verse 19, uh, let's see, verse 20, it says, Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find that a law, that when I, I would do good, Evil is present with me for I delight in the law of God after the inward man but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members O oh, wretched man that I am Now this is the apostle Paul speaking probably one of the greatest Christians that ever lived O oh, wretched man that I am who shall deliver me From the body of this death I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh the law of sin and so what what he's saying there is is that he's complaining he's not complaining about other Christians he's not complaining about the sins of the world he's complaining about himself And he's saying, I have a constant struggle, and I am wretched, wretched. So oftentimes, we don't really see ourselves like that, like the Apostle Paul did. And when a a person is humble, they esteem others better than themselves. Not just treat them better, but esteem them better. And real humility notices predominantly all of the good. That's another folks. Uh, now, I'm not saying that, they, that the, the, uh, the sin is covered or they don't see it or they're blinded to it. But the first thing they see is the blessings. The first thing they see is the good. And sometimes the very first thing that we see is their struggles. First thing that we see is their bad attitude. The first thing that we see is what they've done right now. I, I've, I've, had, I've watched this happen. I've watched and i've I've seen this in this church, I've seen it in my life, I've seen it out in the world, uh, someone who normally is of good decorum, uh, normally uh, uh, is a very happy individual, and something is said, something is done, and they fly off the handle. they you know they just they just they just <laughs> They just kind of, kind of explode. Folks look at a person like that and say, well, what a jerk that is. Well, wait a minute, hold it, stop. Has, has that person been predominantly a jerk? Well, no. Well, then maybe the reason why they're acting the way they are right now is because something's bothering. Maybe something's wrong but do we think about what might be wrong and a way that we might want to help? No, we immediately criticize them. We, we immediately attack them. We immediately go after them. And what that is, is spiritual pride that's on the inside of us because we're finding fault with others. Second, a second uh, a symptom of spiritual pride is a harsh spirit. A harsh spirit. Uh, when we approach others with contempt, with anger, with irritation, with frustration, and again, or a, a critical spirit. Uh, meanness and a superior attitude is, is often seen when we have spiritual pride. A desire to, to, to dress someone down and to set them straight and set them right in their lives rather than be a blessing to them, rather than be a help, rather than be an encouragement. Uh, uh, You know what? Jonathan Jonathan Edwards said this about a harsh spirit. He said, Christians who are but fellow worms ought to at least treat one another with as much humility and gentleness as Christ treats them. Let me read that again, because that's so good. Christians who are but fellow worms ought to at least treat one another with as much humility and gentleness as as Christ treats them. By the way, has God been good to you? God been gracious to you? Has God been patient with you? Then why is it we get very, very impatient with other folks that are struggling, that have faults, that are stumbling in their Christian life? Uh, Oftentimes the reason why we do is because spiritual pride has taken root and we don't even see it you know now i realize there are times when firmness is necessary you know the bible says warn them that are unruly warn the unruly okay there's times when you have to be stern but care and concern always have to be present when that's taking place third third uh, symptom of spiritual pride is putting on pretenses in other words Acting one way, but having something else going on on the inside of our hearts. Presenting ourselves as, as someone who you aren't. And of course, what, what we call, what the Bible calls that is, is hypocrisy, a hypocrite. Demanding respect rather than earning respect. Uh, concerned with how people perceive us to be, not what the reality is. Uh, more concerned with our, our, our outward man, Rather than the issues and the desires that are going on on the inside of our hearts. Well, when 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 we have this going on in our, our hearts and lives, we're oblivious to uh, to to or or ignore our own personal failings. Uh, humble person is not that way. Humble person is open and honest about their own struggles and failures. And we saw that just a moment ago in Romans 7 with the Apostle Paul. Understand, when he wrote that letter, there's a multitude of people that that read it then. Think about how many people have read it since then. You know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of people have read Romans chapter seven and have come to the conclusion that the Apostle Paul, probably one of the most spiritual, uh, loving, kind Christians that that ever walked the face of this earth, struggled. And he said, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid to let you know that. Let you know that I've had struggle. And quite frankly, what that has done by reading that passage, that's encouraged me. It's made me realize that, listen, the struggles I'm having are not, not foreign, the struggles that I'm having are not are not something that that uh, are new. It's something that the apostle Paul struggled with, as well. And, and I'm by no means trying to put myself on that on that same level. But the point is, is that if he struggled with it, then it's it's obvious that we'll have those struggles too. Uh, a person who's humble uh, ne- never looks at themselves as above or better than others, and attends to the secret things in their lives, attends to the secret disciplines in their lives. I'm, I'm convinced of this. If you knew every single thought that I had in my heart this last week, if, if as you walked in, there was a paper that had listed every single thought that, my, that your pastor, me, had this last week, every thought, every opinion, Every, every feeling that I had, and it was all listed on a piece of paper, you wouldn't be sitting here. You'd walk out. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm convinced of it. Why? Because we are not often exactly as we appear to be on the outside. And a person who's humble deals with those things on the inside and, and uh, doesn't have a hypocritical life. The fourth, fourth symptom is that a person who is spiritually proud has a tendency to be defensive and easily offended. They, they, they don't accept reproof and rebukes at all, and we've already gone over that some. They're easily agitated. They exhibit bitterness or contempt with certain people. A humble person gets quiet and gets very serious when they're rebuked or even if they're reviled. You think about this. The Lord Jesus, he was rough with the hypocrites. He was rough with the liars. He was, he was rough with those that were religious on the outside but were, but were white as sepulchers on the, on the inside. They were full of dead men's bones, the Bible says. Um, he was rough with those folks. But what about when, when uh, he was taken to trial and he was reviled? How did he respond when he had his beard plucked out how did he respond when someone took their hand and backhanded him when he was blindfolded and said you're a prophet who is it that hit you how did he respond no he responded he, he didn't he didn't say a word and a person who has a humble spirit oftentimes even when they're reviled will not speak and defend themselves. Jonathan Edwards said this about being defensive and, and easily offended and about spiritual pride. He says, uh, Edward says, for the humble Christian, the more the world is against him, the more silent and still he will be, unless it is in his prayer closet, and there he will not be still. In other words, he takes those things, he takes those rebukes, he takes that that reviling, and he takes it to God, asks him for help and strength. The fifth fifth symptom of spiritual pride is presumption before God and man. Uh, An irreverent and uh, a boldly rebellious spirit uh, comes with, with spiritual pride. And with a with a uh, lack of proper honor to God and to others, I absolutely hate it. I just cringe. I get, I I I, I it, it's totally distasteful for uh, to me when someone calls God the big man upstairs. I'm sorry. That's just that, that is not respect unto a holy God. And we get upset with those kind of things. But how much do we disrespect by our speech those that are in authority, those that are over us, those that the Bible says that we ought to honor? You know, one of the things that has helped me with this whole thing, and particularly, particularly in the last six to eight months, um, one of the things that's that's helped me, and I'm not saying that I've arrived yet, because I certainly haven't, I'm still struggling with it. One of the things that's helped me is understand what kind of government the Apostle Paul was under when he wrote his epistles? You know, you know what kind of government? He was under Roman oppression. They hated the Jews. And they weren't afraid to express it. And yet you don't find, you don't find disrespect. You don't find, you don't find dishonor at all. Uh, you look at Daniel. Daniel, you know, understand, Daniel was a captive. I mean, he was, he was taken captive. He was a prisoner. And he was always respectful to those that were his captors. Always was. Um, Psalm chapter 2 and verse 11 says, Serve the Lord with fear and, re- and rejoice with trembling. We're to come to God boldly, but we're supposed to do so very reverently, and and not not in a flippant attitude. Um, some have no confidence before God, and and and, and uh, uh, they 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 sound humble. Uh, you know, they, they say this. They say, well, you know, I'm just I am just so uh, so sinful and so wretched and so rotten that I just don't know if I could even go to God about the thing that I'm struggling with now that sounds humble but it really isn't humble at all it really it's it's just the opposite our sins are not greater than the grace of God and you need to realize that and I need to realize that Um, I've heard and I've even said this Uh, I've, I've, I've heard other folks say this and I've said this myself well you know, I know I struggle and I have problems, but understand, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I thought about this, this this last week. First time I really ever considered this part of it. When we say I'm a sinner saved by grace, what is the greatest emphasis in our minds? When I have said it in the past, the greatest emphasis was I'm a sinner. So give me a break. But that isn't where the emphasis ought to be. It's I'm a sinner, saved by grace. Praise God for that. Amen? Uh, That's where the emphasis ought to be is on on the grace of God. Another another symptom of spiritual pride is desire for attention. Desire for attention. Uh, To want to be noticed. Uh, drawing attention to yourself. And one of the ways you see this is people that dominate conversations. You've done it, I've done it, okay? Uh, We think that our opinion and what we have to say is more important than what others would say. Uh, Bible says we ought to be swift to hear and slow to speak, but oftentimes we're very swift to speak and very slow to hear. Um, a person who has this desire for attention needs to be needed. And because they need to be needed, sometimes they often, and I, I've, I've seen people like this, I've been there. Or it's it been tough for me to say no to somebody. I, I, you know, Somebody asks me to do something, my schedule is full. And I say, well, okay. And then something else suffers because of that. Uh, if if I'm if I'm doing that just out of pure concern and care for that individual, fine. But can I tell you sometimes why I've done that? Because I don't want that person to think ill of me. And if that's the motivation and that's the reason, then that's spiritual pride. Uh, pride desires to instruct. Humility desires to be an example and to learn from others. And one of the one of the um, one of the uh, characteristics of a person who's humble is that they ask a lot of questions and listen to all the answers. Person with pride has the attitude, everyone needs my help. Person with humility has the attitude, I need help from everyone. Pride says, uh, says I need to command and control. And humility says, I need to entreat and beseech other folks. Um, for instance, let me, let me just give you an, an example of, uh, of this. Um, why, and, I, and, I, and I, I've got this, in fact I, I, I've had this, this conversation with a couple of people here within the last, within the last uh, few weeks. Why do I dress the way that I dress when I come to church? Well, you say, well, because you're the preacher. Well, I understand, and, and uh, I can understand that being the motivation, but that's not the right motivation. I ought to dress the very best, and you ought to dress the very best that you can dress when you come to church because you're not doing it for others. You're doing it for him. You're doing it for him. That ought to be our, our, our attitude. It, it drives me crazy. When, and we've had some, some weddings like this where we'll have a wedding, the wedding parties all dressed up. Why are they dressed up the way they are? They're dressed up to, in a Christian wedding, you're dressed up first and foremost for the Lord. But in a, in a Christian wedding, you also are dressed up the way you're dressed up because you're honoring the bride and the groom. And then you see somebody come in in a pair of shorts and a tank top. I think that's disgusting. I just do. Now if that's the only thing he's got to wear, fine. That's, that's, I've never seen that be the case. Why is that so disgusting? Because it shows absolute, complete, total disrespect. And the way we dress really uh, reflects our attitudes and reflects the, the respect that we ought to have. We ought to dress to honor and glorify God. Why? Because he deserves my best. He deserves my best. He deserves your best, too. The last, the last uh, um, symptom of spiritual pride is neglecting others. Neglecting others. Spiritual pride prefers some people over other people. Uh, they try to impress those who they might benefit from they pass over the weak they pass over those that are inconvenient they pass over those that are unattractive in verse peter chapter 2 and verse 17 there's a there's a (laughs) a three-letter phrase that has gotten me under conviction over and over and over again uh and and honestly i'll be i'll be quite frank with you there are times when i don't like this verse i don't like this phrase but in Second Peter, or 1, excuse me, First Peter, chapter two and verse seventeen, there's three little words there. Honor all men. Have we done that this week? Have I done that this week? Have you done that this week? Have you honored all men? Um, when we show dishonor, we show. Our spiritual pride. Uh, Bible says in Colossians chapter three and verse thirteen says, "Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye." That was one of the verses that, or one of the passages that we recited before every service for a whole month. This is forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. In other words, pass it on. Christ has been forbearing. Christ has been patient. Christ has paid attention to you. So pay attention to others. Now, what's the, what's the cure for spiritual pride? Well, take your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 4. And I'm not going to give you four points in a poem. It's not going to be long. It's going to be very, very simple. But it is a lifetime effort. James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Two things. Number one, admit and confess your pride and confess it to God. Uh, if we'll admit that we have pride, we're halfway there to victory. Because the truth is, most of us are blinded to the pride that we have. I've had people, I've had people uh, talk to me over the years and say, "Oh, you know, God's really worked on me." Uh, in the area of humility and I'm really working hard to be a humble person. And sometimes I've heard that from people that are just as proudful as any person I've ever seen walk the face of this earth. And they don't even see it. First, First step to getting victory over spiritual pride, you gotta see it. You gotta recognize it in your own life and confess it to God. And secondly, humble yourselves. And draw close to God. Now, how can you humble yourself? Let me just give you some suggestions of some things that you could do and that I could do in order to humble ourselves. When people disagree with you, do you argue to defend your position? Do you tend to cut off those who ignore you? Uh, Are you hurt when those whom you dislike are honored? Do you find it difficult to admit that you're wrong? Do you instantly react when people criticize you? Do you give your opinions before being asked for them? Do you enjoy sharing about your accomplishments? Uh, Do you talk more than you listen? Are, Are you more concerned about your reputation or are you more concerned about God's reputation? Do you give the impression that you have no problems? Do you seek ways to humble yourself? Do you do things for praise and compliments? Do you accept praise rather than deflect it? Are you quick to correct others when they make mistakes? Do you react when you do not receive credit that you you believe that you're due? Do you feel important? Do you compare yourself to others rather than God? Those are evaluations about how humble we are. Now, if we see that we need some humility, here's some, here's some specific ways that we can humble ourselves. Welcome critics. Bless them that curse you. Uh, volunteer for mental tasks or for, for menial tasks, for tasks that, are, that uh, the, the average person wouldn't want to do. Uh, ask others, Ask others what your blind spots are. Can I tell you something? In all, the, all the time I've been in ministry, I've never had one person come to me and say, preacher, do you see blind spots in my life? Do you see areas where I'm failing God that I don't see in my own life? Never had that happen, not one time. Uh, Another way we can humble ourselves is express gratefulness uh, listen to others instead of talking about yourself when you go to God in prayer spend time kneeling in prayer let authorities make final decisions uh, and don't don't gripe and complain about it uh, when they make some uh, decision that you that you dislike uh, ask forgiveness for wrongs you have done praise and honor others take time for prayer and for fasting Uh, give sacrificially give testimony of god's grace deflect praise somebody gives you praise deflect it back to god and and have a servant's heart those are those some ways that we can humble ourselves before god why it's important we do those things because we don't want to be in the spiritually proud category The problem is oftentimes we're we're heaped with spiritual pride, but we don't even see it. You know, the psalmist said, uh, try me, O Lord, and see if there be any wicked way in me. When it comes to that area of spiritual pride, that ought to be our heart and our attitude. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, this morning I am so thankful that you are my God and that you are so good and you are so gracious. And I so often have not passed that goodness and that graciousness and that patience that you've shown to me toward others. God, I pray that if there be any spiritual pride in any of us today, may we have maybe, maybe there were some things, that, those symptoms that hit us between the eyes. I know as I went through it these last few weeks that happened often. And, Lord, that doesn't mean that it's all taken care of. That means that uh, I've seen it and uh, need to be continually aware of it. Lord, help us to have a heart that we want to see where those areas are so that we can be more effective for you, so that your power can flow through us, so that your love can flow through us, so that we can be a blessing to others. God, I I just pray, my prayer is that you speak to hearts. And Lord, as you speak to us, it will just say yes to you and respond. God bless this invitation. Have your will, have your way, because we love you. You're our God. You're our Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed.